Welcome back to our Clarity Podcast. Clarity is a one-year experience here at Fellowship where we are just seeking to see Jesus more clearly uh, through spending time in the Word and in community together. And today we are going to be sharing an episode from our Out of Curiosity podcast. Out of Curiosity is a podcast where we seek biblical clarity for modern questions. And uh, so today we're going to take a look at the question um, in light of reading about the miracles of Jesus, why don't we see miracles like what's happening in the Scripture happening today. So we're going to discuss this uh, question from a biblical perspective and hope to get a little clarity on that. Uh, If you want to follow Out of Curiosity, you can look that up wherever you listen to podcasts or check us out at oocuriosity.com. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to Out of Curiosity. It's our podcast where we are seeking biblical clarity for modern questions. I am Garland. And I'm Nick. And our question today, uh, it, it presents itself this way most often to me. The question goes something like this. Uh, you might have asked this question before if you're listening. When I read the Bible, I see lots of miraculous, crazy, not normal kinds of things happening. Uh, and I see them happening a lot of the time and all over the place. And when I look at my world and my life, I don't see that happening. Where's the disconnect? Like, why don't we see the miraculous things that take place seemingly in the Bible in our day. And does that mean the Bible's getting it wrong or are we getting something wrong? Should we, should we be doing something different? Are we not powerful Christians? Like that's kind of how it presents. It kind of comes with a fear. I think that we must not be doing Christianity well, uh, or maybe that we can't trust the biblical account. So uh, that's a lot to throw at you, Nick. And here we go. Let's see what we got and we'll kind of make sense of it. hopefully as we go. Well, it's, it's totally understandable to me why this would be such a big question because um, typically the people I interact with, um, the fear is, am I, I'm missing something. Is right. there something wrong with my faith uh, that I don't see this happening? So um, I think the first thing we can do is I think we can close the gap between the biblical narrative and our experience from both directions. So here's what I mean. First of all, I think it is a mistake to think that miracles aren't happening today. Um, and, and so I... I can personally say that I've I have um, been a part of stories where we've seen miraculous healings. Just to clarify, so somebody listening that might be approaching this question from a skeptical perspective. Sure. What what do we even mean? Like we throw this word miracle around, yeah. and obviously, you know, philosophers, C.S. Lewis took a stab at this. Like, what do we even mean when we say? Because sometimes we we get confused even there. So help yeah. us on that. So what we don't mean is a really cool coincidence. Okay, so if um, if I go, man, if uh, so, one example from our story from my family is we wanted to do a certain thing with graduate education, and we went, gosh, we really need this amount of money to be able to start that, and then we got a tax refund for that amount of money. Um, that's that you know, from a biblical faith perspective, I could even say that God's hand was behind that, but. All the math added up. Like right. the the, the well, yeah. we didn't lie, we <laughs> yeah. didn't cheat. Yeah, you, yeah. Know? you might have to owe the government that amount of money now. Right. <laughs> so th- th- I wouldn't call that a miracle, right? Because all of the natural processes were in place. So you would say the, the providence of God, yeah, maybe directed that, but it wasn't miraculous. Was it something su- supernatural? How would you define? I would say I would say providence is really good. I think I think that we can d- make a distinction between two uh, labels here, providence means that God's hand is guiding everyday natural events. So day, events that can, can be explained by natural causes still have God's wisdom behind them. And so from that extent, I would say there's no such thing as a coincidence as a person of faith. 
I would right. say even the everyday things that you can explain away naturally um, still have God's hand behind them. And so that's why we thank God for food. And uh, we thank God when people get better when they're sick. So that, that we would call providence, and that's different than a miracle. A miracle, it goes beyond God's providence and natural things um, to actually something that defies the normal, everyday way the world works. Okay, so that's a big, it's a big thing. It's yeah. a big thing. So, for example, um, so a story of a friend of mine uh, that you know medically attested this happened. Um, he had cancer. He had bad cancer, um, and so he was going to have to do chemo and surgery. And people prayed like crazy. And when he went in for a follow up, they did the scan, and it was just gone. Like verifiable. Here's a scan. Lots of cancer. Here's a second scan. No cancer. There's not a good natural explanation for how that happened. Mm -hmm. And so I would call that a miracle. I think God healed him of cancer. Um, we prayed and I think God intervened to heal that cancer. And if, and if there was some kind of breakthrough medically and they said, this is what happens in some rare cases with cancer, you would say providence of God. Okay. Is that, providence is that fair? God. Yes, okay, okay. totally. Absolutely. And so, um, the first thing I want to say is, you know, you spend enough time around people of faith and these stories do happen. Now, what I will say is it's not every Tuesday. Um, right. I can I can point to a few key moments in my life and other people's lives where we go, we prayed, and something that went beyond really possible scientific natural explanation happened. And so I, I would dispute empirically the idea that miracles don't happen today. Right, and maybe, maybe it's helpful to just point out, as, as Christians, we mm -hmm. are technically... Trinitarian theists, yeah, we believe in the supernatural. Like just at a yeah. basic worldview level, we believe that uh, Jesus was crucified and was resurrected, and we believe that uh, the the people of Israel were able to miraculously escape the land of Egypt through the the Sea of Reeds, uh, yeah. and, and miraculously God provided their deliverance. Like we believe that God does indeed work supernaturally in the world. Absolutely. Okay. The, the fundamental article of our faith is that a dead man came back to life. Yeah. So, yeah, so we, we start there. We start, yeah. If you start there, you are a supernaturalist. Like, you know, we, we, we believe in the supernatural. Um, so, so that I would, in the apparent distance between the biblical world and our, the, ours, the first I would do is I'd bring a, a little bit closer there. The idea that miracles do happen today. Um, but that doesn't answer the objection, but they sure don't seem to happen as often. Um, right. Even if, even if you were to say, yeah, that, that happens, I admit, but man, it feels to me when I read the biblical narrative like they're experiencing miracles all the time. Right? Shouldn't is and that almost can even be scarier to admit that they happen sometimes, because then it seems like okay, so there is some experience out there that I'm not having very often. Right. So what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me if some people pray and experience our church. healing? What's, wrong with, what's wrong with our church? What's wrong with me? Our country, maybe. Um, and so then I'd actually like to go back to the biblical text and maybe clarify a little bit of what's happening. It's easy to read the Bible and get the impression that miraculous events is the everyday experience of people of faith. Right. Because we read about them. We read about a lot of them on the pages of Scripture. Um, but I think a more sensitive reading will clarify that a little bit. The first is looking at the overall story of Scripture. And if you think about the overall story of Scripture, the, the vast stories do not have miracles in them. The vast number of our biblical narratives, they, a lot more of them have providence. So right. when David grabs a sling, 
a really good weapon for killing things. That's why it existed. And he swings this thing that's maybe a four-foot-long sling and throws a large rock, and it pegs a guy in the head. That didn't actually kill Goliath. It knocked him out, and then David goes over and cuts his head off. That doesn't have to be a miracle. Right. So what you're saying is sometimes we see miracle when the biblical author might not mean supernatural break into the natural world. He might mean this demonstrates that God is providentially acting here, or it's maybe just declaring that this was God at work, or this is God's victory, or this is in the name of God. Exactly. So, so many of these stories that the Bible clearly affirms God is with his people, God's working in his people, don't actually involve what we would call a miracle. When you look for these nature-defying breaking the what we might call the laws of nature kind of stories, they actually happen in a few major clusters. Um, And so we see a lot of miracles around the life of Moses and the exodus from Egypt. Something new. Something new. God is is rescuing his people out of Egypt, and it starts with these 10 plagues. And so it really starts with this question from Moses, I'm going to go to these people and say God sent me. What if they don't believe that I'm actually sent by God? Yeah, we're here in slavery because maybe our God isn't that strong. Yeah. And here comes this dude that left a few years ago, and he's back saying, well, no, God actually is strong, and I met him at a burning bush? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and one of the things that God wants to do with the miracles is twofold. He wants to show that God is real and that he's there, and also he wants to so, show that Moses really is his messenger. So and he authenticates that. He authenticates okay. Okay, Moses as the messenger. Because um, that's Moses' big concern is, what, how, how, I, how do they believe that I've actually spoken to you? So God, the purpose of the miracle is as a sign to authenticate the messenger of God and the work of God in Israel. And so we see these visible miracles around the life of Moses and his immediate successor, Joshua, and they go into the land. And then after Moses and Joshua, these sign miracles of you know fire falling from the sky, rivers turning to blood, those go quiet for a long time. You just have hundreds of years of people living in the land, rebelling, trusting, praying, living life. And it's like hundreds of years, like longer than America has been around. Just the story kind of unfolds. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. It's interesting. You see a lot of providence in those periods. Unlikely victories. Right. Where somebody will win a battle where the odds seem against them and they win. And we would say that's God's hand. And they attribute it to God. They They attribute it to God. This is God's doing. Yes. And then the next really strong cluster of miracles happens around the ministry of Elijah and Elisha, two significant prophets in a time when Israel was turning away from their God to worship a false God named Baal. And there are these kind of encounters of, again, who's the real God? In Egypt, it was who, you know, is is Yahweh really the God of Israel? Pharaoh asked the question, why should I even listen to Yahweh? Who is he? Now you end up with another kind of crisis period in Israel's history. And for some reason, God chooses to do a bunch of these really amazing law of nature defying miracles around the life of Elijah and Elisha. And so that's a, that's a, a, a cluster of miracles that, again, kind of stops for a few hundred years. And what's interesting is those two prophets are two of our prophets in our Old Testament. But you know what a lot of them did? They just wrote. They, just, they did symbolic actions, yes. and they wrote normal words like we would almost say it like a preacher does or a teacher uh-huh. like they just tried to instruct and teach in the very kind of mundane in comparison to Elijah way yeah absolutely that's the majority of the prophets that, yeah that, that's interesting 
You read Isaiah, Isaiah that I'm aware of does not perform any miracles. He has visions of the throne room of God. He sees what God's doing, but you don't have miracles like Elijah did. And then we come to the life of Jesus. Okay? And the life of Jesus is characterized by miracle. His life on earth begins with a virgin birth. So, a virgin getting pregnant would be a miracle. Supernatural break <laughs> Supernatural the natural world. Yeah. We don't have a natural cause to describe to, to define that. And so Jesus' life is characterized by miracles. Now, when Jesus lives in the story of his life, it looks like a miracle every Tuesday. I mean, he goes around, and that's what's so shocking when people watch the life of Jesus is when when a sick person comes to Jesus, they get healed. And that is meant to tell us there's something unique about Jesus, Um, something utterly unlike anything they've ever seen before. And similar to Moses, the way Yahweh commissioned Moses to go be his messenger, Jesus commissioned apostles to go be his messengers. The question is, do y'all have any real power here? Are y'all really the apostles? Are you really the apostles? And interesting, when you read the book of Acts, even Acts chapter 2, it doesn't say in an Acts chapter 2 description of the church, everyone in the church was doing miracles all the time. What it actually says is many signs and wonders were done by the apostles. Now, I'm not arguing that only apostles ever did miracles, but the, the overall direction of the narrative seems similar to what has happened in the rest of the biblical narrative, that you have a cluster of miracles around Moses and then his successor, Joshua, around Elijah and his successor, Elisha, and then around Jesus and his commissioned messengers, the apostles. And you see a a grouping of miracles. But then again, once again, these miracle stories, when you read about the apostles' miracle in the book of Acts, they are read like exceptional accounts. Right. People go, oh my goodness, there was this one time that Peter did this amazing thing. Mm -hmm. And so you get the impression, it's a little bit like um, if you read um, an account of a football game on Monday morning, and it's a four-paragraph report, those paragraphs are going to be filled with touchdowns and turnovers and huge plays. And if you read that report as if that was what the entire three-hour game was like, you would think they were scoring touchdowns every two minutes. But we don't read the report that way. We understand that that report is pulling out the highlights, the really big things that happened in the three-hour game. And, and a lot of the game was two-yard runs. Yes. You know, uh, timeouts were called. Yep. And then the crowd sat there for two and a half minutes. Yes. And just boring, mundane. And I think it's interesting when you bring the Acts 2 account up. That's the last thing that's said about the the early church gathering. And, and this, this early church gathering in Jerusalem what it says about them is they, they got together and they broke bread in each other's homes and they shared with each other, like pretty, they, they studied the teaching of the apostles and Jesus. They, yeah. they did like normal church normal stuff, basic stuff. And, yeah. and it doesn't say, and there was something wrong yeah. with them and that, that, that seems to be their regular experience. I all, I usually note when I'm asked this question, if you look at the, the story of Paul, we, a lot of us think Paul's like the quintessential ministry man, church planter, mm-hmm. loves God. When you look at Paul's life and his missionary journeys, here he is out on mission, on frontier ground, breaking new ground for Jesus in, in new cities. Most of what Paul does is what we would say pretty routine. He yeah. goes into a new city, goes to the synagogue, 
He talks to the leadership. He explains that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one who was promised. Mm-hmm. He talks about what happened in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And what's interesting is when he has a really crazy supernatural uh, kind of outburst in one of these cities, it's in Ephesus, the city of Ephesus. And the story in Acts, in the story in Acts goes out of its way to say this was so strange. Even his handkerchiefs were, yeah. people were getting healed somehow. And it's almost like Luke, the author, is going, this wasn't the normal occasion. Right. It was a very unique thing that took place in Ephesus as opposed to Corinth and Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea and all these other places he'd gone. It was just synagogue and talk and then he'd go to the Gentiles and talk and he spent two two months there and talk and explain and that's just that we see that and go that's just very mundane so yeah. for Paul's life ministry career of about three decades he gets this crazy experience in Ephesus but most of 30 years is what we would call regular looking regular ministry, looking ministry. <laughs> yeah. and and interestingly Ephesus is a city marked by a strong belief in magic and a cult yeah then you got to go what was going on in Ephesus and now it actually brings a lot of color to that and then yeah. that might be why when Paul writes the letter to the Ephesian church he includes this whole thing about spiritual warfare yes so and, and the final thing i would say is that when you read the new testament epistles the letters and and the apostles are telling us this is what a life of faith looks like you want to know that you're keeping in step with the Spirit? You want to know that you're Spirit-filled? You want to know that you're following Jesus? They don't say, here's the mark of real spirituality, you're doing miracles. Right. Nowhere. Paul, that, you would expect that if that was what we were. If that was that'd be all over the, the Pauline epistles and all over the general epistles. What, what about the miracles? Where are your miracles? Where are your healing? And that just, it's never appealed to. It's never appealed to. What the mark of spirituality is, is transformation to be more like Jesus. A community of faith that, that is marked by love, that is marked by Christ-like character. And so I think what, what I would hope about... But that's so mundane. It's so yeah. boring, <laughs> It's right? just so boring. Um, like that, that's so... I, I hear you say that, and like, I'm, I'm joking around. Like, that's so, like, gritty uh-huh. and, yeah. and, like, real. And, man, that almost brings some something profound and something beautiful and something bigger to my job today and yeah. my parenting today and the way I treat people at the store or the rest... Like, it, it brings all of that to such a heightened understanding. That's just such a cool idea. Yeah. And so I think, I think what our, um, the, the two ditches I think we would want to avoid is one, let us never be the cynic. Right. That doesn't believe miracles happen. That doesn't believe in the supernatural. Um, that doesn't believe God intervenes. And on the other hand, let us never be like the Pharisees that are demanding a sign. God, show us something miraculous so we can trust you. Right. Um, but I think the life of faith we're called to is a life that prays for God to intervene and believes that God intervenes and he does miracles and he's supernatural and he's in charge. What, or, and by providence. By providence and by providence and by, yeah. and by miracle, by both. And gives credit to God when providence happens, when we need a new job and God provides a job. That's, we should celebrate that. We should celebrate and that. Thank, and thank the God Lord. for providing. Yeah. And so live lives of gratitude, of worship, of asking, of dependency, and of faith, and focus on being transformed to be more like Christ and uh, to, to sharing with other people what God's done in our lives. Well, that th- this is helpful. Uh, like That's inspiring to me. Like I, It took a question that I think often feels like we're uninspired, like mm-hmm. the uninspired church, and it makes, I'm like inspired right now to go just yeah. live my life of trying to obey Jesus. And so, Thanks for helping on that, Nick, and uh, we hope you enjoyed Out of Curiosity. This is our podcast where we're seeking biblical clarity for modern questions. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Out of Curiosity as we discussed whether miracles still happen today. 
For further study, we recommend looking in Scripture at the Gospel of John and the Book of Acts. And we also recommend Our Miraculous Gifts for Today, edited by Wayne Grudem. If you want to send in a question or contact us, go to OOCuriosity.com and follow us on Instagram at OOCuriosity. Be sure to subscribe to keep up with future episodes.